Hello, and welcome to Cody and Corbin have a podcast, the show where two former roommates talk about John Wick. As always, I'm your host, Corbin Zavokal, and joining me is my co-host, the Baba Yaga, Cody Webb. Cody, what's going on, man? It's going great, man. Yeah, pretty excited to be here. I have been called the Bogeyman in my past before, so I love that nickname. But uh, yeah, going to be a fun one, I think. Uh, a lot to talk about with uh, with old Johnny Boy here. Yeah, definitely a lot to talk about. Got to address the uh, elephant in the room. Sounded a little bit stuffed up, congested, maybe sound a little bit weird. Uh, but it is me. It is Corbin. It's the same mm-hmm. old me and uh, excited to talk about uh, the biggest name in movies right now, John Wick. <laughs> I don't know about that. That's pushing it. But yeah, you don't really sound like Corbin. You know, he can come back to the show whenever, you know, you would want him to. But yeah, John Wick, I mean, obviously, I feel like this is very topical topical pick in it which is one of some of my favorite picks and evidently the fourth one's really good um i haven't seen any of these so this is gonna be fun but but yeah very topical well let's get into why 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 so serious because i mean with the critical and commercial success uh, i think 73 million dollars this past weekend john mcfour made um as well as there's forthcoming like peacock spinoff in the fall and then you've got the anna de armas movie coming out next year uh, i just wanted to take us back to that very first film discuss it with you i knew you hadn't seen any of these so i kind of wanted to help jumpstart you maybe on the journey of the john wick franchise yeah i think that all makes sense i mean it is kind of weird i haven't seen any of these i feel like i mean I usually pump one out what every two three years now when was this movie released? You know, actually, I know. 2014. Wow. So obviously, this this fourth <laughs> one was a little bit more delayed. I think both it and the Matrix, uh, four were supposed to like release on the same day in 2021, but then pa- the pandemic happened, and then everything got pushed back. And obviously, one of those came out, uh, and it was not very good. But we we finally <laughs> got John Wick Chapter Four. And it's just- I mean, yeah, like they've pumped out what four of these in under 10 years. That's pretty dang impressive. And uh, I mean, the way they're doing all the spinoffs and stuff, it, it's not going to stop anytime soon. So I think it's a good pick and, and a pretty good why as well. So I back it. Well, let's uh, hit Do You Remember? Do you remember? Obviously, Cody, this is the first time you watched it. So uh, mm-hmm. what, did you check it out on Peacock? What? Oh, of course. Yeah. I'm going to have a peacocker. Uh, Back-to-back uh, peacock picks for the podcast. We got a little alliteration there. True, yeah. I mean, usually we shout out Disney a lot on here, Disney Plus, but we're done with them. Uh, we've dropped our sponsorship and have officially moved on to Peacock as our number one streaming service. Well, you know, NBC, great network television, The Office, Parks yeah. and Rec, a lot, you know, a lot of great comedies, as well as Universal. Honestly, a pretty good movie studio and a studio that has been giving money to our tour filmmakers to make big budget projects. Think Jordan Peele and getting huge budgets with, you know, Nope and his next movie coming out next year. That's universal. Uh, You've got Christopher Nolan got swept up by universal and is getting his big movie made with final cut and all that coming out and shout out to universal. I'll I'll support Peacock. Maybe (laughs) not a bad studio. Of course, you know, they tried to make a, a, a monster universe and that worked out pretty well, but you know, past that, yeah, I'd say they're all right. And uh, Peacock, it's a pretty good service. I mean, for our first couple, uh, first Friday Five episodes as well, uh, you know, the office is straight in there. So we're just wrapping Peacock, I think, the entire the entirety of 2023. Still can't talk. But yeah, the first time I did watch this was last night. Wait, you know who it was who got the deal from Universal? 
It was, yeah. of course, the Oscar winners, the Daniels. They just got a exclusive gotcha. first deal with Universal. Of course, very excited good about them. That. And that's actually a really good shout from uh, Universal. So even more ups to them. But uh, yeah, this is the first time I'm watching this film. I mean, obviously it came out, what, 10 years ago? There's been about 50 sequels. So it's about time I caught up. Uh, <laughs> I'm aware there's four covered. Um, but yeah, also, weirdly enough, I think... Um, one time I was on like a trip with my friends and we randomly watched like a quarter of like the second or third one. I don't know which one it was. And um, it was okay. So I've seen some of that, I guess, but I don't remember any of the context of anything. So this was my first time ever watching the first one though. And uh, yeah, decent experience, you know, on the old home, home screen, home theater at uh, around 10 o'clock at night. So really added that dark ambiance as well, which I think is, is definitely a positive for this film. But yeah, Corbin, do you remember the first time you've seen this film? I actually don't recall. I know it wasn't in 2014 when it came out because this is just not the type of movie that I would have watched as a 14-year-old. But I do think I saw it around maybe the time the third one was released and I, I watched all three of them. I got to give a shout out to a former guest of the pod, Liam Durbin. I know he is a big fan of this franchise and I think he was probably the first person he's always, he's like an action movie guy. I think definitely more so than both of us, which is maybe why you hadn't seen it or why we hadn't really talked about it in the past, but like he likes this movie. And I definitely think the reason I watched it was because of him. So we gotta, we gotta give a shout out to Liam. Shout out to Liam. One of my favorite guests by far of all the, the drafts and stuff we've done with him. Modern action. I think this is, not terrible at least which i mean is most of modern action but yeah i mean that is kind of true too we haven't touched a ton on too many action films i think in the pod i picked terminator Terminator, yeah i was gonna say that's probably the most obvious one but i mean other than that i don't know it's just not a genre that is that i don't know i don't know the word it's it's not that deep i guess it's it's not that it doesn't make you think as much which i feel like are the movies i kind of really enjoy but I mean, I'm, a, I'm still a big action guy, you know, Fast Five, classic. There's there's a lot of modern, you know, action films that I think aren't as good as as maybe stuff in the past. But modern wise, I'd say this is a pretty good pick. Definitely. So let's uh, move over to our initial thoughts. Good morning, Vietnam! Uh, I want to start off by saying, you know, rest in peace, Lance Reddick recently passed away. Obviously, he plays the uh, hotel manager in this character and throughout this franchise. I think he's actually really good in this. He's, you know, playing this. He's got the like Nigerian accent and he's doing this very regal professional thing. But he's the fun part of the movie every time he's kind of interacting with him and going to the hotel and building upon that world, I think is really great. Um, you know, and it's it's tragic. He just recently passed away, you know, at a young age, obviously known for The Wire as well, of course. But I was going to mention that as well. He's really, really good in The Wire, I think. And you're right. I like him a lot in this movie. He's kind of got most of the, like the fun, quippy lines, I feel like a little bit. Kind of the only one interacting with John Wick where they're not kind of fearful for their life in a sense. But yeah, he, he's really good in it. Obviously, R.I.P. Uh, definitely gone way too soon. But that kind of kickstarts where I wanted to start off the convo anyway in initial thoughts, which is. There's kind of just like a random, there's a bunch of random actors from other stuff that I do know in this movie. So I will list them off very quickly. Uh, Theon Greyjoy is obviously in this. What's his name? Alfie Alley or Alfie Allen. Allen. There it is. Yeah. I mean, nobody actually knows his name. He's Theon. Uh, But yeah, him just like showing up at a gas station, I thought was really funny. I think I remember, I just, I think I just remember the first time I watched this movie having this conversation. I'm pretty (laughs) sure I watched this movie with my mom the first time because- when she's a big Game of Thrones fan, and I do remember her pointing that out, I was like, "Oh, that's the Game of Thrones guy." 
So there we go. Shout out. I, I watched this at home sometime with my mom. Wow. Um, I'm sure she was not a huge fan of it. Yeah, we might need her, her review later on. But hey, that is fun. there's been talk. She might she might make a pot appearance soon, yeah. Cody. I don't know. Hey. Get her on. I back it. We need her immediately. But yeah, I just thought that was funny. Someone big game with Thrones guy, obviously, too. And him just showing up at a gas station was not expected. I did not know he's in this film. I mean, he's the main bad guy, obviously. So should have known that, I guess. Past that, a bunch of other random people. Uh, the Allstate guy, uh, the, the mayhem. mayhem. Yeah, he's in this. I don't know if I've ever seen him in anything else other than Allstate commercials, but hey, he's not that bad. And then a couple guys from The Wire. The other one, obviously, we talked about Louis Reddick. The other one is, um, well, I guess I should preface this, the other one first. So obviously, there's the girl from Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. in here as well. You're talking about Adrian Palicki. She's in G.I. Joe Re- Retaliation as well as and Legion. She's in, she's in the G.I. Joe movies. And, you know, she, she, she's good for what she does. She's she's a pretty good action star. She's, of course, Bobby in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., which was her role was cut short for some reason because they were going to do a spinoff and then they ended up not doing it, which is a bunch of bullshit. But she's good. I do like her as an actress. And then as well, that you know the guy that she kills? Harry? Yeah, that guy's in The Wire too, and I like him a lot in The Wire. Underrated actor. Uh, shout Clark out to Peters. Sure, Clark, you're a good guy. Deserves more work, I think. He's really, really good in The Wire, no lie. Um, and then a couple other ones too. So there's this guy, one of uh, Theon Greyjoy's friends. He's in Daredevil Season 1, and he gets killed in a really cool way. So shout out to him. He also dies in this movie, obviously. And then lastly, and I'll throw this over to you as well, because um, he is your background. Willem Dafoe is in this movie for some reason. I am not too sure why, and he is completely wasted, in my opinion. But it's Willem Dafoe. So, I mean, I'm excited to see him. But, yeah, what, what do you think about him in this movie? I think Willem Dafoe is pretty solid. It is strange yeah. to think that he would pop up in something like this. But he also just pops in from fucking everything all the time. Uh, I think he was like the letterbox most watched actor of uh, last year just because he's in a lot of different movies that people love to watch. He's in huge franchise films. He's he's just all over. And, you know, John Wick This is, is a great example of that. Um, I would agree that he is maybe a little bit wasted as he is just mostly seen as a sniper, you know, just watching over everything throughout the film and then kind of gets a, a, a rough death at the end. But I'm happy to see him. Got to respect him with the background. True. I, I mean, I, I definitely respect the background. I don't know. He definitely does feel wasted to me in this movie. I mean, this is definitely spoiler alert, but he doesn't return for any of the, the other movies, right? Now that man's dead. Yeah. See, that's tough. Like, if you're going to have Willem Dafoe in the first one, at least bring him back for the sequels. Like, spin him off for a movie. Like, I would watch that in an instant. Sniper Dafoe? Come on. Like, that's easy money at the box office, I would think. Uh, yeah. Altogether, you know, a lot of fun actors. I think it's a, a generally okay plot. I don't know. The the acting is, it is what it is. And the dialogue's nothing special, but... I think this is a good movie and, and it makes sense. It, it spun off into a lot of different things. Something that I do like about it is that it is a singular self-contained story. Like it, there is a whole world to explore and it makes sense that they could make franchise, you know, and spinoffs and different stuff about it and, you know, do a prequel movie or whatever. But at the end of the day, this is like a tight 100 minute runtime of a full story where, you know, something happens to this guy, he gets revenged he gets a new dog at the end, like everything's happy. And I, and I can appreciate that about it. It is also extremely well directed and the action set pieces are well done. And it's also really important for Keanu Reeves and him and his career. And, you know, he's a beloved actor who has been in so many great films and has played iconic characters throughout. And he's had his ebbs and flows and he was in a bit of a rut at this time. And 
John Wick really pulled them out of that and kind of in the last, you know, nine years has propelled him to continue to be a star, which I think is great. Any other thoughts before we move over to trailer talk? Yeah, I mean, we always need more Keanu, I think, in Hollywood. I mean, he's not, he's definitely not the best actor by no means, which I'll get into more later. But I mean, he's a Hollywood icon, a Matrix speed. I mean, him in the 90s. Point uh, break. Point break. Yeah, that was going to be our next sentence. Just so fun and so good. So I am happy that he's still around. And I mean, this is a perfect franchise for him. So yeah. Absolutely. Let's uh, head over to trailer talk. I'm up. I'm up. like that huh nice ride thanks how much excuse me how much for the car she's not for sale you have good day sir daisy i lost everything that dog was a final gift from my dying wife. Jonathan, you got out once. You dip so much as a pinky back into this pond, you may find something reaching out to pull you back in. It's personal. Where'd you get that car? What does it matter? It's not what you did, son. It's who you did it to. The nobody? That nobody. No, I'm just sorting some stuff out. Task your crew. How many? As many as you have. Hey, John. I thought I'd let myself in. People keep asking if I'm back. Yeah, I'm thinking I'm back. I'm not afraid of John Wick. Uh-huh. How good's your laundry? New one's not good. I thought not. This is actually really interesting because I don't know if you looked at this, but the trailer that we watched came out September 18th, 2014. This movie was released October 25th, 2014. And this is like really the, the main trailer, the only trailer that came out that people saw. And that was because... Leading up to this film and as it was being produced in, in post-production, it didn't have theatrical distribution. Like there wasn't a company that was there prepared to put it in theaters and put it out to people. It was wow. being shown to studios in there just because of the fact of, you know, Keanu, like I said, was in a rough place. The directors hadn't really ever directed anything before and nobody wanted to put this movie out. So it came down to two months before its release in August Lionsgate finally was the only person who put an offer out for it. Um, like a very, you know, like minimal upfront money offer, you know, just basically, Hey, we'll get it out to, to see people. They mm -hmm. bought it. Lionsgate gets with a theater house and does a, a, tra or a trailer house and gets this fun trailer cut. And then it kind of just turns into like, Oh, this isn't a silly direct to video shitty Keanu Reeves movie. This is a prestige 
well-made action movie and people flocked to go see it. And it made about $80 million total at the box office, which against a 20 to $30 million budget, it was definitely an unexpected hit. I mean, yeah, even releasing um, a trailer sort of that, that close to the release, I feel like shows no confidence at all from the studio. Um, so the fact that it even made such a big profit, I feel like is, is impressive in that sense. But yeah, that is actually really cool. I feel like that's kind of one of the most unexpected franchises of all time, kind of with that launch in a way. I think it is a trailer. Like it's pretty well cut, I think. Um, it really does hit on a little bit more fun, I think, than maybe even we get in the movie. Like they're just kind of quips the entire time. I think there's a lot of fun stuff in there and it does show a little bit of the action, but really not all of it, which I, I like too. Like it doesn't give away everything. We know the basic plot, you know, Theon Greyjoy kills his dog <laughs> and then, you know, John Wick's pissed off about it. That's basically all you really would need to know, I think, about this movie. A funny thing too, it, it makes like a, a wicked pun on like John Wick's last name, which I thought was a bit of a stretch. I didn't, I, that, I was not the biggest fan of that. Um, also had a nice ass shot in there too. Just gotta gotta pander those you know eighteen year old kids any way you can, I guess. But or not the fourteen year olds, I guess at the time we we <laughs> could have seen this trailer yeah. all over it. Yeah. yeah, I think it it definitely it makes sense that people went to go see this, especially in twenty fourteen. It feels like a very like oh yeah, I, I would have been down. Um, there's some weird like slow motion. It's like it's like not in the movie. It's not slow motion, but they've slowed it down for the trailer, so it's like choppy yeah. frame rate stuff and you know you got the sound effects for drama but you know listen it, it's a good action movie and the, and the trailer sells that it's keanu reeves it's you know who doesn't want to see this guy he was in the matrix right i do want to talk about though the two prior movies he made to this mm-hmm. are, are you familiar with they what they were cody it was uh 47 yeah. ronin and man of tai chi both released in 2013 huge <laughs> flops yeah uh, man of tai chi he actually directed himself um just both of them didn't really uh worked out too I, well i don't think i've genuinely ever heard of man of tai chi which i am sad about keanu if you're listening 47 ronin yeah i've heard of that movie um not surprising that like it was a complete bomb did not look particularly good it kind of just looked like a ripoff of uh kind of the last samurai with tom cruise but even worse somehow because <laughs> uh, it's like the last samurai with tom cruise is yeah. not something you want to watch not particularly yeah, good bounce back for Keanu. I mean, recently, I don't know. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong. Other than this, he hasn't had too many successful things. Uh, Keanu, <laughs> the, the movie where he plays the cat uh, with Keen Peel. Yeah, um, you know he had a he had a <laughs> Bill and Ted face the music. He was in Toy Story Four, yeah. Always Be My Maybe, kind of an extended cameo thing where he plays himself. Like you know, he's been working, he's been around, he's he's a popular yeah. guy. Obviously, he's been leading this franchise primarily. Yeah, which is fair. I mean, like like we've said, they pumped out a lot of movies, so he's been busy. But I like the animation actually. Toy Story Four, <laughs> yes, four movies. That's a lot of movies in ten years. Um, Think how many even... fucking Avengers movies like. <laughs> yeah but he you know he's not iron man but um i think he should do more animation i mean him in toy story 4 he's actually a pretty good character i think and uh, he's got an iconic voice so he maybe leaning into that as he gets older would, would be a good choice I think. well i believe he also played like the he played batman in dc league of super Plats, the video game oh, cyberpunk 2077 yeah. he was i think yeah. a integral character maybe the main character he was also in the spongebob movie that came out in 2020 so you know he's doing a little bit of stuff he's He's getting that uh, passive income sitting at home doing some voice work. He's got a pretty good agent, I think, to be fair. But yeah, he's leaning a little bit towards animation. So smart guy. I, I think if he continues that, 
he'll be around in Hollywood. I don't know, another like 20 years at least. So yeah, Keep he's way ahead of you. So also I do want to talk about the director or directors of this movie. Are you familiar yeah. with what's going on with that, Cody? No, I have no idea. So officially this movie was directed by Chad Stahelski. He's also right. the director of the entire franchise of John Wick movies, but it was definitely 100% co-directed by David Leach as well. It's just because of DGA rules and certain regulations, only one of them could put their name officially on the movie. They weren't allowed to, they were just denied the co-credit. So Leach gets sole producer credit and Stahelski decided to like deny his producer credit and just give it solely to David Leach. David yeah. Leach, you'll know, has since this time, he has not continued to direct John Wick movies, um, but he did direct Atomic Blonde, Deadpool 2, Fast and Furious, Hobbs and Shaw, um, and Bullet Train. So that's the kind of stuff that he's been doing. So you can kind of compare their careers. But both of them are very seasoned stunt people. They know Keanu Reeves from working on The Matrix with him. Stasowski specifically was Keanu Reeves' stunt double on The Matrix. So like these right. guys have worked on countless different films just as stunt coordinators, as fight designers, as action coordinator, every different term, whether it's X-Men Origins, Wolverine, Speed Racer, uh, In Time, Hansel and Gretel Witch Hunters, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles for David Leach, and Stahelski worked on The Hunger Games, and The Expendables 2, and Iron Man 2, and like literally just countless 80 different, 70 different projects over the past 20 years. These guys knew what they were doing, but they had never directed anything themselves. They wow. originally were just going to come in and like just direct the action se sequences. Like that's what Keanu was kind of having them do. But then they kind of like, no, give us, you know, let us, you know, try and do this real thing. And, and they, you know, they got an opportunity. I think they did great. And, uh, you know, obviously Stolowski has continued to build this franchise out and Leach has, you know, done successful things, at least box office wise. I mean, just naming off Leach's filmography too. I mean, those were not bad movies. I mean, Deadpool 2, Hobbs and Shaw, I, I like enough for what it is. I mean, not terrible stuff there from Leachy Boy. And I mean, when you were naming off their filmography for uh for the stunt work, I mean, stunt work is very impressive and it was all impressive in those movies, but all those movies were dog shit as well. Um, just rewind that a little bit. But uh, <laughs> The Matrix, Ocean's Eleven, he was Brad Pitt's stunt <laughs> double. Scrubs everywhere. stunts, they did scrub stunts. <laughs> yeah, that is really cool, actually, that like his stunt coordinator or stunt double for the matrix is directing him in this film or co-directing i guess but yeah i mean those two guys it sounds like they know what they're doing so keep giving them work i, I back that completely Spike stunt, gets four. I, not bad uh <laughs> but um i think stunt people are just you know that entire subcategory of film is unbelievably underrated so yeah given more people like who are similar who were in similar spots to them before like keep that coming i i think especially action wise they they know what they're doing let's move over to the good the bad the ugly i want to start with the good obviously it leads into that when you have people that are stunt coordinators that know how to do these things that are directing these action set pieces it's going to look really good and it's extremely well done. It's not super choppy. It's not the Marvel fight scene where there's a cut every time there's a punch thrown. It's long takes, extended, well-handled fight choreography. And it's Keanu Reeves doing a fuck ton of it, like 90% of it. And it looks so real and it's well done and the blood and the shooting. And 
he trained like for four months leading up to this with weapons and martial arts and every different character has their own fighting style and he switches his gun styles depending on the different you know quarters that he's fighting people with. it's it's just extremely well done i think the action is is by far the standout point in this movie uh definitely the best scenes are are the action scenes and they are very long like you said continuous takes uh my favorite particular Really is the red circle the the club scene um, yeah there's so many cool set pieces like I mean, that. it's it's ridiculous just how long that sequence is and i kind of want well i want a couple things i want to kill count first off but as well i just want like a shots fired count because <laughs> well, i can't one... give you the shots fired conflicting <laughs> reports i saw 77 in a couple different places but i also mm-hmm. saw that maybe Keanu Reeves set up to like 80 some people. So between the that amount, it's not the highest in the franchise. I can't tell you that. It's not surprising because I mean, I feel like there are kind of maybe a little bit of pauses between action scenes sometimes. But oh, when they come out, they are pretty freaking cool. And uh, yeah, Keanu just firing like crazy at everybody. I don't know why it, it's it's like sort of satisfying just like seeing how comfortable he is in the scene. Um, so shout out to Keanu, like he knows action, I think, just as well as anybody else in this movie. Um, so big ups to him. Yeah, that, that club scene of I don't know, I feel like every club scene in every movie is always good for some reason. Like you can't name one club scene in any movie that's like not entertaining for some reason. And uh this lives up to that. But yeah, I mean the action is, is really the only main thing to talk about, I feel like, in the good. Wow, only the main thing. I do want to say I mean I said it's a, it's a tight 100 minutes, but it could have been longer, right? And there was actually like a two hour and 20 minute cut, I think. And they, they were able to chop some stuff down. Um, so maybe there were some more kills in that 40 minutes that they cut out. But I, I they even said, I think it was like, you know, there's just a lot of shots of like John Wick walking in places that they cut. And this is a very tight movie. Like, you know, things move from place to place, which I think is very great. Um, the club set piece is obviously awesome. But, you know, they've got the, the hotel, the Continental Hotel, which is really interesting. And on top of that, the world building as a whole is really well done. This is a weird kind of crime underground thing that is unlike, you know, kind of anything else I've seen in other places. You've got like the gold coins. There's even the cop who shows up at his house who like knows he's like, Hey, Jimmy, they, they, everybody knows John Wick. You've got the Baba Yaga story, which is super cool where he's talking about, Oh, I sent him to do an impossible task and he did it. One time I saw John Wick kill a man with a pencil or kill three men with a pencil. You've got him like making the call and he's like, Oh, can I make a dinner reservation for 12? And Oh, there's this whole company that comes and cleans up bodies for people. And then of course you've got like John Wick's tattoos and there's just so many things that they layer in, not as exposition, but it's just moments you see on screen or moments unfolding that just build out the world, which I think is really impressive. And it draws you in. It makes you want to have, you know, watch the second movie because you want to learn more about the world. And uh, that was my other uh, good thing. I did want to touch on funny enough. So we're definitely thinking on the same lines here, but I mean, yeah, the world building in here is is pretty textbook, I would say. Is If you're looking to build a world, this is a good way to do it. But, I mean, just the uh, the hotel in general, I think, is a really fun rule of, oh, you, you can't conduct any business in here. Like, it's kind of just like an ultimate truce with all these different hitmen and hitwomen in it. But I think it's a really cool concept. The gold coins is, is pretty dumb, in my opinion. I'm not a massive fan of that. Just just have money. What's the damn difference? But, I mean, once you enter that arena, like, there's so many fun characters. The owner, I really like, uh, you know, his character. Winston. Sec- yeah, uh, the secretary we were talking about. Even, you know, all the hitmen that we do see. And, of course, there's tons that we don't see. I'm sure that show up in all the sequels. So you can pretty much 
you know, make up whatever you would want and go from that point. That's the thing. Yeah, it's like a good jumping off point for like crazy wacky characters, like Hitman, different, all the different people that exist in that world. And they do expand upon that in a lot of fun, different ways. And uh, another thing I like too, is just like how everybody already knows John Wick, like literally everybody at the hotel knows John. Like he's been there like fucking 20 years. He's the guy. And I love just how like everybody fears him like crazy. I, I love the line of, Vigo on the phone with John Leguizamo's character, and he goes, "He stole John Wick's car and killed his dog." And all Vigo says is, "Oh, because oh. <laughs> that's like, and you just know, you're like, he understands in that moment. Like John Wick is such a, and that's leading up before we hear the story. Like you're just building up, to like, oh my god, you do not want to fuck with this guy. Another line with Vigo that I really like too is when he ta- when he's talking to um Yosef when he's talking to Yosef, he's like, "I don't really care like what you did. It's just you know who you did it to, you idiot." I kind of like his phrasing there where he's like, you, you've, you're like, you're this dumb. You don't know who John Wick is. Like, I, I don't understand how nobody in his crew, maybe yeah. they're all new to the game, but they can't be that new. It's only been like, what, four years since he's been gone. Uh, so shout out, shout out Theon for having short-term memory. But yeah, I, I just really do. The, the character building and the world building, I think is pretty damn good in this movie. Well, and I do want to say something else that I think is good is that Theon Greyjoy you may not like his acting, <laughs> but he's, he looks like such an asshole. Like they even, they said they cast him because he looked like a prick and like he plays the perfect role of the hateable character, right? Like you need John Wick's nemesis to be someone bad. Like, yes, his dog gets killed. That's from his wife. And you need like for all this killing and this murdering and the crazy rampage, he goes on to really be justified it has to be a villain that is worthy of that. And, you know, Alfie Allen kind of looks that and fits that well. So while his action is bad, he does, I think, play into that uh, effectively. Yeah. And I don't know if it's like his acting's not that bad. I think Alfie Allen's an okay actor. His accent is just so, so bad, I think. It's like uh, sometimes not there at all. Yeah. I mean, maybe yeah. we could just go to bad. Let's let's hit it right now. Um, well, sure. Oh, I mean, it, it, it's just not the best. Like in... I don't know. It's it's kind of like with some of the other Russians too. The one that I mentioned, the the other guy from Daredevil was like just a kind of character actor. Like he's clearly not Russian either. It's just like the worst possible Russian accent I feel like you could do. Um, yeah, I mean with Alfie Allen too, I do like him. He does. So he's English, and and then his yeah. dad uh, Nyquist, who plays Vigo, is Swedish. So Swedish, interesting. I thought Vigo his accent works a little bit better. Shout out his dialect coach um yeah i will also replace theon later uh spoiler in the recast but acting wise just continuing to talk about that no offense keanu but i don't think he's great here <laughs> i mean the first half hour it's a little bit tough acting wise just because you got to cram in all the backstory of oh you know his wife's died it's a lot of emotion going on he literally just put her in the ground you know there's a lot of emotion going on there which i don't think is keanu's strong suit and then there's just kind of all some chopped up, you know, kind of awkward dialogue with, of course, Willem Dafoe. And then, you know, with the Russians at the gas station. I don't know. I just don't buy half of it. But like it's filler to get to the important stuff. Um, and we didn't even mention that that first scene where the Russians are in his home, I think is a really cool reveal too. like, oh, the dog's barking. You think he's got to go outside. And then he walks down and there's just two guys standing there in hoods. I like that visual. Um, but everything before that is it, kind of just a wash for me. Well, I think the thing is, Keanu Reeves just talks too much in this movie. Like, and it's something that he <laughs> just does less and less of throughout the franchise. You know, 
he's best when he is just doing shit, when he is a physical actor and when he has to, you know, speak and emote and play this character, it doesn't work quite as well. Uh, I will say, I think the first words he says to Alfie Allen, 69, Cody. So shout out to our system, our, our rating system, the, the, the year of his car. Yeah, he, he must be a you know an avid capper. So shout out Keanu. Uh, come on, show, man. What are you waiting for? You're shouting us out in all your movies. Like, come on. Yeah, seriously. Script-wise, like we were talking about, I feel like it's pretty tight. You know, tight story, that first half hour. It's a little bit tough. You know, acting in the villains, it is what it is. Like, that's what you're going to get in this movie. But I don't know. It's kind of just, I feel like there are some pauses between scenes, like going from John Wick, you know, getting his ass beat by the Russians to that club scene. There's a little bit of time where, you know, he's tracking him or whatever. And like the scene of him, like, uh, you know, just smacking his jackhammer or whatever it is into, into the ground, uh, you know, just a bunch of rubble and stuff i thought that was kind of dumb like why is he gonna bury his guns under like i don't know three because he of buried that life away and he had i don't know if he told his wife about it you know just buried in the backyard like a normal person i don't know it, just, it doesn't make any sense on, on my front but style yeah true i mean it does look cool to be fair which i mean john wick's all about there. style he's got the suit he got his his yeah. fresh hair i mean he's a, he's a suave man just one tiny thing which is a tiny great I don't really like the tattoos. I thought they were kind of not really badass and not really well placed. Like you could have done any. You, you, I feel like you got to give him like an entire back tattoo, which is like the devil or something really weird like that. But yeah, kind of just a miss on, on that front, I think too. But visually, I, I think John Wick character. I mean, it is iconic look already. Just the black suit in, in itself and the long hair. I think it's a good look, but I, I think they swung and missed it. It's kind of a. Who's got really bad tattoos? Is it Brad Pitt? Who's got that really terrible one? Ben Affleck. Ben Affleck. It looks like a Ben Affleck recreation on a couple of them. So I, I don't know. That's that's just my personal gripe, though. I think the story is a little bit simple at times. The dad specifically made a lot of wrong decisions in terms of trying to make sure John Wick get killed, got killed. Specifically, when he had him captured and... It's just the two guys and he's like, all right, kill him. And he walks out. You got to stay and make sure John Wick dies. You can't just leave because John Wick's always going to get out of that situation. So that is a, a, a clear mistake on the, the father's part. I mean, yeah. Also, why are you killing him with the bag? Like just shoot him. <laughs> it's John Wick. Take him out immediately. Uh, but yeah. Shout out, shout out sniper boy. Will. So he's, he's always there. Yeah. Always there to save the day. Um, I do really like the opening of this movie. I'm not sure if you're a fan of it because it opens with the ending. However, I don't get when we get to the ending, we don't re-see the scene play out. It's like we see the scene and then the ending happens and then we bump back and it's him waking up. I just want to see the scene again. Let me see him roll up in the car to reestablish the whole the setting. It's a little bit jarring. Like I feel like maybe in that initial longer cut, they did have the extra 20 seconds in there. I feel like usually if they do have like a scene at the beginning of the movie, which is at the end, which is pretty, it's a pretty common trope, I would say. But I feel like they do play it again most times. Might have to fact check that, I guess, a little bit. But I don't know. That is kind of weird. Um, and also, I mean, I don't know. It, the the build up to that final scene as well is not as cool as I thought it would be at the beginning. Like, I feel like if you're going to have a scene at the end of the movie and you're like, what's going on? Like, how did he end up like this? It kind of would have been cooler than, oh, all the bad guys are dead and, and John Wick's just driving away now. I thought like, oh, somebody's going to be on his ass and, and still looking to kill him. But well, I mean, that's like the end of the movie right there. So something yeah. that I appreciate about the John Wick movies is that like this is showing like how physically done and exhausted and, and 
painful this has been on his body and like everything that just happened happened within a day and like even this next the next two movies all happened within like a week time frame where it's like this dude is getting physically destroyed day in and day out like just trying to survive so I, I do think that's cool because it's like after all this is like he just needs to like lay down for a moment because it's just been so much um i will say again they talked about the final fight between him and vigo being longer and being more grand but then their realization was like really vigo shouldn't pose that big of a physical threat to him so they cut that down a little bit to be like it, it wouldn't really make sense for him to fight back as seriously. So I think that's maybe why it feels a little bit anticlimactic at the end. It's just like, oh, well, he's killing this guy and, and this is it. I mean, yeah, I feel like you could really, and going forward with the franchise too, which obviously I haven't seen, but any any fight that really gets extended out, it's kind of like, what's going on here? Like this guy just took out 40 people in a minute and now, you know, oh, this, this one assassin, you know, you still have a gun in your hand, just shoot him in the head. I don't really understand, but yeah, I mean, it's movie making. So you're going to try and, you know, have a fun climactic scene, I feel like, but I didn't hate it. I didn't, I didn't think it was too long or too short, really. Like, you know, he's an older Russian guy, but you know, he threw down with John. So I, I thought it was good. All right. Let's move over to the ugly. Uh, I didn't really have a ton of stuff. Obviously, you know, there's a lot of killing, particularly yeah. a, a dog is murdered, which is, is quite sad, but the loss of human life is also something to be upset about for sure. Uh, a lot of shooting, a lot of guns, um, also, it's kind of, you know, it's unfortunate. It, this is another movie. It's in the Christopher Nolan world of you got to have a dead wife for a character to really have some good motivation. It's kind of just like a trope. And it's like unfortunate that female characters have to be disposed of just like, oh, they're going to be dead to purely motivate that the actions of our, our principal hero. I agree. Definitely a little ugly. And uh, I mean, along with that, too, this, this movie comes nowhere close to uh, passing the Bechdel test. Uh, what is that? There Bunsen? are some badass female assassins, but or I guess one in this one. But I want to see more of Ana de Armas, uh, obviously. Uh, but past that, yeah, I mean, you mentioned it. a lot of killing, uh, kill count, which you've already talked about, uh, not the best. And then you throw in dog murder for kicks, you know, a little bit ugly. My kind of big thing is why does he have to headshot everybody? He's already taken down. You know, Johnny Boy, I understand you're going through some stuff. You know, like Corbin said, your wife's died. You know, I understand. But, you know, you just shot this guy three times in the chest. Like, I'm not even that. You shot him once in the chest and one, once in the leg, maybe. Like, he could survive. But, no, you, <laughs> for some reason, you just have endless bullets and, and got to take him one for the head he as doesn't, well. He doesn't want him to survive. Well, they're, they're not going to come back for years on ends. And evidently, all these movies take place in a week. So it doesn't matter anyways. But yeah, I, I kind of just don't understand. You know, I guess he's mad, but I think that's a bit too far in, in my book. I, I agree with you there, Cody. It is it is all very ugly, but it does look very good. Yeah, it looks cool, to be fair. But yeah, not the best. Let's uh, take a quick break and we'll be right back. And we're back with Whose Line Is It Anyway? Welcome to Whose Line Is It Anyway? Not a ton of dialogue in this film, so hopefully we can narrow down the characters that are speaking different lines. I'll go first. Well, John wasn't exactly the boogeyman. He was the one you sent to kill the fucking boogeyman. Who said that, Cody? I think that's a Russian daddy, right? Russian dad guy? It is, it is. He's, he's telling the story of the boogeyman. Um, something that I think is really cool in this is like anytime there's Russian subtitled stuff, certain words are accentuated for like the boogeyman um, and different stuff, which is a, a cool stylistic choice. That was something I forgot to mention too that I did like a lot is uh, just the subtitles uh, of all the Russian. I thought it was just, like you said, visually done really well. 
my first one. I feel like this is a really easy one, but we'll throw it out there. Uh, and uh, the Ollie's part of it too. Just let you know. Uh, working again. Uh, it's well. <laughs> I feel like a lot of people say this to him. Like a lot of people different ask. Like everybody's asking him this, but the uh specifically, is it Jimmy the cop? It is Jimmy the cop, who is one of my unsung heroes. <laughs> And um, I think I am going to check out the sequels, obviously, with the fourth one out in theater. So shout out to you, Corbin. I forgot to mention that off the bat, too. Yeah, I really, really hope for some reason that Jimmy shows up in some of the other movies. Like, just give me one scene per movie with this guy, because uh, I thought he had a lot of charisma. But yeah, one of, definitely one of my favorite lines in the movie. Evening, Jimmy. Evening, John. Working again? Yeah, what's going on? And then he said, the, the response back is, no, nah, I, I was just sorting some stuff out. <laughs> like noise complaint yeah noise complaint all right <laughs> i really love their interaction so yeah shout out jimmy that is a good scene it's fun and again it's just like the world is like everybody knows john wick he's just around his neighbors i mean they have to know what's going on at this point this is obviously it's not the first time and uh th- you would think they would stop calling the police because you know it's just john wick maybe there's some new people in the neighborhood since since he uh, gave up yeah. the life does make sense here's the next one for you You've broken the rules, you've done business on continental grounds, and management does not take kindly to that sort of behavior. Oh, that's the boy Winston taking out uh, my girl Bobby, RIP. No, Cody, actually, you're wrong. It's not Winston, it's Harry, the guy who's talking to her when he's got her chained to the chair. He's the catch and release guy for John Wick. He's telling her the management doesn't like that. I, I did this purposely to try and trip you up, make you think it's Winston. You got me there. Shout out Harry, the wire guy I was talking about. Um, Unfortunate in, gets shot but, in the head through a pillow. Yeah, that is that is a tough look for sure. Glad we didn't uh, have to see that one face to face. I have another one for you though. All right, and um, well, I guess this this is in Russian, so this is my Russian accent. Over over sixty pounds. That was not Russian at all, but over sixty pounds. <laughs> Over 60 pounds. Over 60 pounds? <laughs> I have no idea. <laughs> oh, stumped him. Love it. It's the uh it's the uh, the bouncer to the uh, Russian club. Oh, how much weight he lost. Yeah, he's talking John to John. He like, says hey, he lets him go. He's like, uh, oh hey John, you working tonight? And he's got like tears in his eyes. <laughs> <laughs> and then he's like, Oh, you lost weight over 60 pounds it's actually said in russian and then that's subtitles so i don't know if that's cheating probably a little bit and then john's like oh yeah impressive uh, take the night off whatever which is like, thanks yeah it's kind of just another fun like tiny interaction that i that i like a lot hey john wick's a good guy he doesn't have to kill everybody yes that's the one life he spared so he, like he he must really like that guy to be fair so, hey it's 60 pounds he said damn your <laughs> life is you, you you really put in the work we're gonna let you live man that's fair i mean 60 pounds down you can't kill him after that. That that's just too far. I think. Sure. That would have gone in the ugly 100 percent if he killed him. So, yeah. Let's hit invite, fight, night. I dump thee. So William. Start with invite. Cody, who do you want to invite on the podcast? Yeah, recently mentioned. I want I want uh, my boy Jimmy, the local cop on. I think he's got some just really fun, like out of context sort of John Wick stories that I really want to hear. And I feel like he could really ground it to to the real world level as well. Um, and yeah, he he has to have like 
multiple multiple occasions where he just walked in and there's just dead bodies everywhere and he's like so uh what's going on john like i feel like their conversations would just be unbelievably casual as well so i kind of just want to hear all about that i like that you know you could uh definitely get some uh some background info for sure about yeah. all the uh, noise complaints for me i, I want to bring in uh winston that he's because oh. he's the owner of the hotel and i feel like he's got all the secrets really like he knows yeah. about everybody's business and his character gets expanded upon throughout the franchise for sure so you'll look forward to that um but i just think he's got all the information and if we want to know anything about anything in the secret underground world he's gonna have it for us if we want to pull in somebody from the cast i think keanu reeves would be a great person not because necessarily he's a great person to have on a podcast. He's not uh, very loquacious necessarily, but he has worked with so many great people over the years and has countless stories that I'm sure we could uh, get him to tell. And, you know, just the different projects he's touched and the different actors he's worked with. I mean, there's there's countless people that I would love to talk to him about. And again, Keanu, I know you're listening, so just come on already. I mean, what are you waiting for? <laughs> yeah, no, I agree. I think he would be a great one to have on. I mean, pretty much anybody from this movie. I mean, Will Defoe would be so much fun as well. Uh, love to have him on too, but yeah, definitely good fix there. All right, fight. Cody, who do you want to fight? Yeah, I mean, there's there's a lot of people to pick from. I ended up going with Vigo, uh, the the Russian dad guy, uh, primarily for one reason, and I actually for a couple. I mean, first off, he does give up his son to John Wick to save himself, which is a very scummy move. And then all of a sudden, oh, he's all mad about it. Oh, Will Willem Dafoe, I'm gonna have to kill you because John killed my son. You gave him away, dude. Like he's just a, he's a pure rat. He doesn't care about his family. And then all of a sudden, he acts like he does at the end just so Willem Dafoe dies. So, uh, yeah, I think he deserves a, a good good shellacking or two. So uh, I'm going to pick him. Yeah, it is a little strange, the, like, complete 180 that he does because he's just like, all right, whatever. Like, this is the only way I'm going to survive is if I just give my son up. And then he's mad about it, like you said. It is yeah. a little bit strange. What a rat. I'm not the fucking rat. I got to get – I hate the dude in, like, Yosef's crew who's just sitting there playing Call of Duty in this – time of distress he's, he's just gaming i mean i, I kind of gotta respect it but also it's a little bit annoying um so I, I would probably fight that guy i'm surprised i mean yosef was probably two seconds away from it before he gets a bullet to the neck unfortunately yeah. um and the other one is is mayhem the the guy who plays like vigo's right hand man because it's just like his only purpose throughout the whole film is to just tell him to stop speaking russian he's like can yeah. you say that in english and it's just like I don't even understand why he's so in close with Figo. Like their relationship doesn't really make sense. He's just kind of annoying throughout the whole movie. Yeah, it, their relationship is never explained, and we we literally have not mentioned him. Ian Winters. Yeah, we have not mentioned Ian Winters since calling him Mayhem Man up top. I feel like his character is unbelievably forgettable. But he's like there in every scene. Yeah. No, he has a decent amount of lines too, and you are right. Most of them are just like uh, say it in English. Like I can't speak Russian which is a pretty dumb line to keep saying over and over again. But... Learn Russian, dude. If you're going to work for this Russian guy, like I mean, some effort. they've been working together for a decent amount of time. So yeah, doesn't really make sense. Get but... some Duolingo, man. I mean, get the streak <laughs> going. The owl will help you. Russian's not that hard either. So he could do it pretty quick, yeah, but come on. Yeah. He, he deserves it. I mean, John Wick did it. True. Also both the guys you want to fight as well. I mean, the guy I want to fight too are all dead already. So John Wick took care of them, <laughs> I guess. But they definitely deserved it, I think. So, yeah. Very clear that we did not say John Wick. <laughs> oh, Good reason, oh. I'll say. Yeah, I know if you're listening. Nope, that was never even thought of. So no worries. No <laughs> shot. You or a dog associated with you. <laughs>
<laughs> we'd love your dogs. Great people. Um, speaking of people we love, let's knight somebody. Cody, who do you want to knight? I mean, this may be the most obvious knight of all time. I'm going for my boy Willem Dafoe. <laughs> He's wasted in the film completely, and then he gets killed off for no reason. So you can't even be in this, you know, franchise that boomed, you know, after this movie, which really sucks. And you know, he had John's back from the beginning. You know, he saved his life. R- literally, probably the only person ever to save John Wick's life multiple you know, times. Yeah, exactly. And it was Willem Dafoe just with a sniper. Like he's got nothing really to hang about. But uh yeah. And then of course, you know, just him giving himself up basically and, and taking the fall uh for John in a sense and you know giving his life for that. Shout out to him. I, I think Willem definitely deserves to be knighted after this role. I respect that. Um, I want to go the hotel manager just because he's such a great character. Um nice. he's also a noble guy. He seems like a guy who would really get knighted in real life. Um, so definitely going to give him the official cap knighting as well. I want to knight John Wick and Fortnite, Cody, because of course yeah. we we got to we got to talk about John Wick and Fortnite. Um, going back to the uh, early days of our podcast, in which we would add something from a movie to Fortnite. Funny enough, like John Wick wasn't actually in Fortnite for a really long time. It was a, a skin called the Reaper. Uh, maybe you can explain the craze to me a little bit better, as you were uh, an OG player. <laughs> Not really. I wasn't really an OG player, but yeah, the John Wicks. I mean, and I'm talking about the OG John Wicks can here. It was like a level 100 thing that you really had to grind to get. And if you saw like that skin in the game, like you were done. Like it was that point in Fortnite where like nobody was really that good. But if you had this skin, like you were elite at the game. It's kind of like in this movie too, where it's like, oh, you see John Wick in real life. Like you better run or you're going to die. So that's kind of why why I got that nickname because good players use that skin. But later on, the actual John Wick skin with Keanu's face was added. Um, of course. Of course. <laughs> I mean, big surprise with Fortnite. But yeah, I was waiting for that to come up. I, I knew at some time, at some point in this podcast, we, we'd definitely be talking about Fortnite. But yeah, shout out to John Wick. <laughs> got a night, John Wick. Uh, let's move over to the recast. Bond. James Bond. My name's Bond. James Bond. The name's Bond. James Bond. The name's Bond. James Bond. Uh, I'll, I'll get us started. So I wanted to replace Mayhem. I needed a, a guy who could, okay. first of all, just elevate the character a little bit. I, I I don't think he's a great actor. And I also just like want him to be a badass, like right-hand man, not just this weird, like wet blanket character that only in the final moments finally pulls out a gun like no he should be like Vigo I'm your dude I'm here so I wanted to bring in Liev Schreiber to play that role because Ooh. I I think he's a fantastic actor of course you know he does play Sabretooth which is is, is all right um, but you know Spotlight is great he, he's appeared in a lot of great stuff and I think he'd be a, a good villainous character in this and he can do a Russian accent I believe it yeah he can definitely do one I like that a lot. I think Liev is uh, one of the more underrated actors today, honestly. And um, kind of it would add a little bit of nuance to that character too. Cause, I mean, he's he's basically the body the bodyguard at that point as well. So, uh, you know, compared to Mayhem, that, that's a lot of brawn I'd say you're adding to the team. So I do like that. My recast, I got a few. The main person I was trying to recast was uh, Theon Greyjoy, Alfie Allen. Like I said, I, I don't know if he's perfect for the role. And I did kind of center one of my picks around what we were talking about earlier, of just a really punchable face. I think you can go a couple different ways, and I will give a different way to go with it. But uh, for this one, I'm thinking of like, oh, I just need an idiot dickhead who like really deserves to get punched in the face. 
which is pretty good casting for Theon Greyjoy, I guess. But I'm gonna stick in the eyebrow kid uh, from the Maze. Will Poulter. Yeah, Will Poulter. <laughs> We're the, the Millers. Shout out, uh, yeah, Guardians Three. Guardians coming. Three coming soon. I'll prove me wrong, eyebrow kid. But I think he'd be really good in this role. I mean, he doesn't. There's not really a more punchable face in Hollywood. So I think if you're gonna go that direction, that's pretty much the obvious choice. But past that, I did have a second pick and, and kind of an out there pick for the same character. But instead, I'm going to go a different Game of Thrones actor, and I'm going to go Lena Headey. So a completely different role, but still playing kind of the Russians, the Russians' daughter, obviously, in this case. And of course, she's great as Cersei as just a you know terrible, terrible villain. But she's also really good in Dread as more of a low-key villain. Uh, Mama, great movie as well. I've been checked that out. But I think she'd be great in this. I think she'd be menacing as hell. And um, just any uh, sort of, you know, scene that we should have with Keanu, I think she would dominate. So uh, maybe she shows up in the later movies because she's a really good actress. But yeah, I think just a different kind of villain would be great for her. Yeah, I actually really like that. that that's a fun twist. And uh, maybe in my post credit scene, you'll kind of see some um, in a direction I'm going where something with that. I, I also wanted to replace Theon Greyjoy, but I didn't know like where to go with it. It's, it is a hard role to cast and get right. Yeah. You, if you just want to go pure like shithead punchable Dane DeHaan 2014 Cody yeah. could he he could I could have seen a sliding doors moment where's yeah <laughs> maybe too young no that's I think that's prime Dane DeHaan <laughs> in Hollywood as well um yeah I don't hate that put Dane in more stuff that's one of my underrated guys too love Dane DeHaan I mean yeah two years after the amazing Spider-Man 2 he maybe was on a bit of a downfall but hey so oh. with Keanu they could have met each other and and risen to the top oh he definitely needed work at the time but yeah that would have been good <laughs> I did have one more too I wanted to get rid of uh Vigo the Russian dad and I, I do like that actor I don't think he's bad at, uh, also anyway. uh unfortunately passed away of lung cancer a few years ago oh man R.I.P. I did not do that Maybe this is disrespectful in hindsight, but we'll, we'll roll with it. I'm going to go for a Liam Neeson in this role. Kind of a weird pick. I feel like Liam, he doesn't do that many villains, but I think this would have been really good for him. And this is kind of a, I mean, at, at the time of production, it seems like a B-tier movie um, in a sense, not really from, you know, the director's to the actor's standpoint, but like you could cast Liam Neeson in this and no one would say really anything about it. Uh, yeah, kind of just a fun turn for him. Like I said, I feel like he doesn't do too many villain roles. But like him doing a Russian accent and him like yelling at his kid, I kind of want to see that for some reason. So yeah, randomly, I just thought of Liam and uh, I, I kind of want to put him in. He might've been too expensive, honestly, for the movie. Yeah. Too big at the time. hundred percent. I mean, there's really, I, other than Willem, I, they probably didn't pay Willem too much because he'll he's not going to say no to anything, but <laughs> there's really nobody else I would assume who got paid buku bucks other than maybe a little bit Keanu, maybe he attached himself to the movie if, if it popped off or something, but yeah, I got some points in the back end. Yeah. I assume the casting budget was, was not very much. All right. Let's hit our rating. You're going to look at me and you're going to tell me that I'm wrong. Am I wrong? Cody, I'm uh, curious to see what you give this out of 69. Yeah. This is a tough one. Um, obviously the first of a franchise, you, you know, start off a franchise. So I think you have to give it a little bit for that. I don't know. It, the first half hour for me does bring it down a bunch and, you know, there are a bunch of acting marks that I'm not a massive fan of. I'm going to give it a 53 out of 69. I think the action carries it heavily, and it's kind of right, kind of similar to Puss in Boots. I don't remember where I put that, 54 or something. But it's kind of similar in that mid-range of movies I enjoy, and, and I'd definitely watch again. But, yeah, 53. One lower than Puss in Boots, 53. I think that's a fair rating. I think that's fair. Um, I'm going to give this a 56 out of 69. I wow. do like this movie a little Whoa. bit more. Um, I don't 
I do not think this is my favorite of the franchise. I still have not seen the fourth one. I'm, I want to do a full rewatch first, but um, I've heard great things about it. I'm really looking forward to it. This movie, I think, is a solid action movie, but it can definitely be expanded upon and, and be done better. Yeah, agreed. And um, kind of that point, too, I am going to watch the other two movies and then catch the fourth one in theaters. I might even pop the second one in tonight. Um, it is an enjoyable watch, I feel like. these, And especially only 100 minutes long. I mean, I, I would recommend this as well. So, yeah, 56 for you is, is a high score, though. I, I am pretty impressed. Yeah, and I would say, like, the lead the second to the third one like really tie into each other perfectly like one ends and the next one begins um so maybe you gotta go for the double feature tonight, oh, double feature tonight. <laughs> don't tell me staying yeah. up late <laughs> uh let's move over to our post-credit scene what if i told you we were putting a team together who was we be adding a post-credit scene now this is interesting i know what happens throughout the franchise so i kind of have to base my right. post-credit scene on, on not doing that but yeah. you don't know so I'm, I'm curious where would you take the franchise with a post-credit yeah. scene i got a couple fun scenes uh second one's a joke so we'll hold off on that my first one you know cut to black after credits or whatever suddenly an old man walks into into the frame who's this old man you ask oh it's anthony hopkins uh, we're getting, oh man, we're going all out for the sequel, and uh, of course he's Russian, and he walks in. He's just going. Well, he's talking. I don't know. Some character survived from this one. I don't know who it is. It can be the mayhem guy for all I care. Uh, but he's talking to somebody. He's like, "You got hospital? Some- like in a hospital bed, maybe?" Yeah, sure, sure. He's like, "Oh, uh, you got my son and my favorite grandson killed." Uh, <laughs> I don't know. He's just he's mad about that. He it's established as like uh, the great grandfather to. Theon Greyjoy or whatever and then the big reveal is they bring in this cage he's like I'm gonna show John Wick who's boss and they open up the cage and it's John Wick's new dog they've captured <laughs> his new dog already <laughs> and then duck on black I'll tell you what that's cinema right there uh you don't mess with John Wick's dog and you throw Anthony Hopkins into the whole into the fold with this franchise that that's gonna be some electric stuff. So yeah, I think I think we could spin off about ten different directions just from that scene alone. Not bad, Cody. Not bad. Here's my pitch. Uh, Keanu, he's out walking the streets of his neighborhood with his dog, just mm-hmm. simple, you know, enjoying life. He's back to retirement when car rolls up, door opens, out flies Jennifer Lawrence. She's fighting Keanu Reeves. <laughs> she pins him down, gun to the head. You're responsible for my father's death. Boom, flash. Her dad is Willem Dafoe. Keanu says, no, let me explain. (laughs) Cut to black. (laughs) Sequel, Jennifer Lawrence, Keanu Reeves, team up action movie where, uh, I don't know, they're just hanging out. He's their mentor or something. Yeah, I like it. I don't know if they can afford J-Law. Also, great Keanu dialogue there. Just, no. (laughs) Simple to the point. That's about as good as a Keanu line I think you can get. Yeah, I don't hate that. Just a little leisurely stroll, taking the pup out for a walk, and next thing you know, Jennifer Lawrence has got a gun to your head. <laughs> I, I just, I really didn't know who to cast as Willem Dafoe's either son or daughter, and I was like, let's just get a big star for 2014. I like it. I like it a lot. I, I do have one other scene that I will throw out there, and it's really stupid. Okay, so it's we just come up from black from the credits. You don't really see who's talking, but you, you hear it's a little little scruffy voice you know kind of sounds like you today a little bit but it's just like oh uh you killed my family 
you will pay. And then it pans up, and no shit, it's uh, it's Vin Diesel. <laughs> I was just saying to Mina, Vin Diesel should be in a John Wick movie. And yeah, he's like, you don't mess with family. And then it cuts to black, and it says, John Wick will return in Fast and Furious 15. So we're really... Hey, David Leach, Hobbs and Shaw. Yes, it could happen. You know, over time, you know, there's even, you know, crossover with the director and everything. And it's also, it's saying Fast 15. So it's giving the franchise of the Fast and Furious a lot of time to work. And then John Wick's going to really come in for the conclusion, which I think is a smart place to put him because he's going to kill everybody, basically. But yeah, that's kind of my spin, uh, sort of, you know, a crossover flick. So I, I think this this franchise would be good for a crossover. What if we take your post-credit scene with Anthony Hopkins, but he's a mad scientist who's revived John Wick's dead dog and trained it into a killer to go after John Wick. Uh, I don't hate it. A little Frankenweenie action, but with the, with a twist. Uh, yeah, I could see it. I mean, Anthony Hopkins can, can pull anything off dialogue-wise, so I'm definitely here for it. Can I give you the, the actual John Wick 2 pitch real quick, Cody? What actually yeah. happens? It's Italians. Oh, <laughs> Wow, real creative there. Um, could have gone to pretty much anywhere in Europe, but hey, the pasta boys, I respect it. Pizza hey, boys. Italian mafia, who's ever done that? Nobody. Never. Totally original idea. Just like the Russian mob. John Wick <laughs> definitely does not go to archetypes at all. Is the third one like uh, Chinese or Chinatown? Or? Well, no, that's the fourth one because the fourth one's got Donnie Yen, right? There you go. There you go. I mean, it's just too easy to write, really. I mean... I, or doesn't the third one have like Boban or somebody? Uh, Boban, of, Boban does make an appearance, yes. <laughs> yeah, a lot of weird actors I feel like that turn up in these these later movies, but I'm here for it. I'm ready for the cameos. Yeah, me as well. Uh, we need to get Dave Batiste to fight John Wick. That's that's all I'm hoping for at some point. <laughs> and speaking of Six Degrees, Dave. Spare me your foul gaze, woman. How do you want to connect Keanu to Dave Batista, Cody? Oh, man. Uh, ride with, with me for a little bit here. And the thing is with, with this category, I feel like at this point in the show, you know, if you're listening, you're listening, but I, I don't know how many people are listening. So I'm literally going to go with the exact first thing of how I connected these two actors. So this is a long one. So bear with me for a second, but we're going to go through it. So obviously we're starting out with Keanu Reeves and, um, you know, I feel like his most, or maybe my favorite role of his is Point Break. So that's where I ended up going. And of course, connecting that Patrick Swayze, you can't really pick anybody else in that movie. I don't think. Uh, through there, I went Dirty Dancing, great Patrick Swayze joint. I uh, connected that to Jennifer Grey, who, of course, uh, you know, stars alongside. Don't put Vivian in the corner. Uh, and she's not really in a ton. So with that, I went to Ferris Bueller. Ferris Bueller, of course. You got to, yeah. yeah which is a great film. And um, when I thought of Jennifer Grey and Ferris Bueller's Day Off, you got to go Charlie Sheen. I mean, that's the only person really. <laughs> no <laughs> so, Alan Ruck succession? <laughs> that would have been good. I forgot. I forgot the same person. I'm not going to lie. Shut up. <laughs> Uh, but from Charlie Sheen, I went Wall Street, which of course is a, a Michael Douglas joint. A great film there. I haven't seen it in God knows how long. Michael Douglas immediately thought Quantum Mania because uh, he's really bad in that. And then, of course, Bill Murray. That's the first person I think of with Quantum Mania. And then Bill Murray. <laughs> Wait, I got lost in my own thoughts here. So, uh, cut that. So, yeah, Quantum Mania, obviously, talk, think about Bill Murray. And then, Bill Murray. Uh, immediately i think space jam which is one of my you know childhood favorites and then you know there's not too many people in space jam so you gotta go newman from seinfeld uh as the pick there and then of course he's also in jurassic park in a tiny role so shout out that 
Uh, the Jurassic Park, this is where it gets easy. A you pivotal know. role, though. He's the whole reason the park fails. True. And uh, another pivotal role, Jeff Goldblum. I think he carries that movie. And then Dr. Ian e. Malcolm. Mr. Malcolm. We're going to uh, Thor Ragnarok from there. Uh, and then we're going to team up with Chris Hemsworth. Ever heard of that guy? <laughs> Not really. He's in Thor 1, along with Stellan Skarsgård, who is in Dune. Who <laughs> with Dave Batista in the same scenes. So that and is... he's the dad of Bill Skarsgård, who's in John Wick 4. We brought it all back around, baby. <laughs> Full circle moment in Six Degrees of Dave. I believe that is, actually, let me count them out. Two, three, four. I think that was 11 Degrees of Dave to get to Dune. So I'm pretty proud of that one. But if you're still <laughs> with us, yeah, I'm surprised. I probably would have ended you know, this, this uh, podcast about halfway through that list. So I'll throw it over to Corbin. Uh, let's hear your six degrees of Dave. Mine is uh, much shorter. I, I got it in three here. So Thankfully. I wanted to go Keanu Reeves, who's actually worked with Ana de Armas two times previously to the ballerina John Wick spinoff that's going to be coming out next year, which Keanu will be appearing in. But they worked together um, in Knock Knock, which is a 2015 film described as a erotic psychological thriller directed by Eli Roth. Um Ana de Armas and who's okay. the other person? Lorenza is uh, Lorenza Izzo both like show up at Keanu Reeves' house and are like trying to seduce him, but they have you know bad intentions maybe. And then also a 2016 film the next year called Exposed, which just looks like kind of a shitty action movie that I he, where he's a police officer and he's like investigating something and yeah. So they're both in two. They're in, uh, gonna be three movies. Um, but of course, Anna de Armas is in Blade Runner 2049 with Dave Batista. So there right. you go. Quick little connection there. A lot faster than mine, but yeah, I did, I did not know they were in any movies together, to be fair. I think I have heard of Knock Knock. Exposed, I, I literally don't think I've ever heard of them. It looks so. like a fake movie. <laughs> the director is G. Malik Linton. Oh, yeah, I know G. Come on. He, directed he also Man. directed No Mere Land. No, a short film from 2001 and yeah. that's it i've definitely seen that too so yeah shout out g one of my faves let's move over to recommendations cody i drink your milkshake i drink it up um hasn't been a whole lot that i've been watching um movie wise since our last recording but i did go see three things in theaters so we'll hit those real quick First one is uh, Tetris, which is uh, going to be coming to Apple TV Plus soon. I'm going to be honest, I wasn't a huge fan of it. I feel like other people are going to really like it, which is I'm just going to be a hater about. But I don't know. I think it was just way too overcomplicated, which obviously it's based on a true story. So maybe you can't really avoid a lot of that stuff. But it's just like, Jesus fucking Christ, get on with it. It's some definitely some moving, making some bullshit. Uh, I did enjoy like the 8-bitty nature of it, but... You know, Tetris, it's an okay game. Taron Edgerton, his acting kind of is up and down throughout. Um, I also watched a movie called Linoleum starring Jim Gaffigan, which released last year, which is this like really interesting kind of family drama where he plays a almost like a failed Bill Nye figure where he's like a TV science host. But then it takes this weird like third act Charlie Kaufman-esque, maybe even like Nolan Interstellar turn where it's like, time dilation space travel shit is happening and like characters are older versions i i really don't want to sp- it, it is the weirdest movie ever that's um, awesome barely anybody's seen it but i actually kind of liked it so you know if i 
check out linoleum I, I don't even know where you can watch it but it's got the it also has in it jim gaffigan plays another role in the movie he, he plays a different character um oh. there's also got ria seahorn who's in better call saul um and the daughter who i thought was pretty good caitlin nakin has been on a bunch of seasons of the walking dead like 80 episodes of it but i hadn't seen her in anything else um but decent little film and then finally a good person which is my first movie released in our fantasy filmography draft yeah um and you know florence Pugh, morgan freeman they're great as to be expected the story itself it's a little bit overlong it's a little bit uh you know just pretty fucking sad at the end of the day but i, I thought it was decent the critics are really hating on it it's got like a 55 percent on rotten tomatoes really oh i did not know that it's got like a 90 percent audience score but a 55 percent uh, critic score well ant-man stuff there but yeah i actually saw the trailer for it um you know I, had, I hadn't seen it before before like this week i thought it looked pretty good i mean it does look very depressing to be fair but i mean that's just kind of the the tone of the movie like you can't really do anything about that but i mean hey morgan freeman and Florence spew in a movie sign me up so i think that is one i i will eventually check out but yeah not, not a bad pick there i think from you in the, in the old movie draft yeah, you know, uh, MGM movie, so maybe the Amazon Prime release later in the year. We'll see. Keep an eye out for it. Yeah, um, okay. Of course, also Succession Season 4 dropped yesterday, so say. let's talk about that, Cody. I mean, what did you think about the first episode? I, I thought it was pretty strong. Listen, obviously not a ton of stuff happens, and my yeah. biggest fear about this season is, like, there's almost too much that they need to address in just, you know, 10 episodes. But something that Succession has always been really good at is, first of all, building character in really short moments. So I think they're going to be able to continue and just have these little short character moments to build things out throughout the season. But also their dialogue is extremely strong. And this first episode was very evident of that. All the characters, all the writing is extremely smart. And I, I just love that. I, whether or not anything happens, I'll just enjoy these characters interacting with each other for another season. I think my main realization was, oh man, I, I miss watching this show just because the characters are so good. You mentioned as well. I mean, the writing is- And it's great to see th the three kids together. Yeah. And that was going to be my main thing as well. I like that they did kind of a bit of a time jump. It's it's not really one, but I don't know. It's probably a few months, maybe at most. I think it's been like three, maybe. Yeah. But I like that. It, it's kind of like we don't have to go through all the nitty gritty of, oh, Tom and Shiv aren't talking, blah, blah, blah. Like- all of that emotion kind of from the end of season three, I kind of like that we kind of bypassed a little bit and got to, I think, what is the main part of the season of these two different, you know, sides warring over who's going to control the company a little bit. So I like that we're jumping straight into that. And I also like that it was kind of a contained episode. There weren't any like massive guest appearances other than like the Pierces who are in it for like, what, 10 seconds. And they're just like, oh, we want more money. Like, okay, obviously, like no shit. But I really like how it's really focused on the three kids. And then Tom and Greg have a ton of view, uh, like viewers. Disgusting brothers. Yeah, the disgusting brothers. Also, Greg just like having sex in Logan's house. <laughs> like him from season he just one. rummaged around a bit, Cody. <laughs> him from season one to season four is just such a, you know, on its head sort of turn. And I really just like seeing his character. But yeah, I mean, Brian Cox, you know, the, the guy can act like none other. And, you know, I just eat up every single scene he has as well. But. Yeah, it, it's unfortunate this is the last season, um, but I thought it, it definitely got off to a good start. Yeah, I'm, I'm definitely looking forward to it. There's so many great, 
listen, if you guys, if you've made it this far and you, you're not watching Succession, definitely go check it out. Um, it, yeah. It's going to be the talking point for the next couple of weeks as, as HBO has continued to hold that space on Sunday nights. Facts. Uh, past that, Survivor. I've not, I've not been into a ton yet. Yeah, Survivor's definitely on the hit list. Are you completely caught up? What, what episode do you have? Oh, yeah, man. I've been listening to the podcast. Jeff Probst, I'm ready, man. <laughs> oh, you're locked into this season. Actually, Survivor was pretty dang interesting this week, surprisingly. And I can't believe I didn't remember it. Yeah. I mean, the twist. So the what season is this? 45, whatever. I don't know. 44. Yeah, 44. So it was, it was always, oh, drop the fourth season one. So 41, 42, 43. There was no changing of the original three tribes until the merge. Um, and I, I'm not a massive fan of that. I do like that keeping the tribe numbers smaller. Cause you really have to do, you really have to rely on those bonds, you know, deeper into the game, I guess. But tribe swaps are always a fun thing in survivor. So bringing it back in this sense where you're only swapping one person and you're just doing a merry-go-round basically of the, the three tribes. I do like that a lot. I'm not sure if I like it as much giving them an idol. <laughs> it's kind of yeah, pokey. it's a lot of power. Yeah, not really fair to uh, anybody else who didn't switch tribes in a sense. Um, but I thought it was an interesting, at least tribal, just because it's like, do I play it on myself? Do I trust Caroline, Caroline or whatever her name is? Because obviously she told him like, they're telling you it's me, but they're, they're voting for you. And then they voted two, two together. So even if he didn't have an idol, uh, it would have been a tie vote. And that would have been pretty interesting because, I mean, somebody's going to flip there, obviously. But yeah, I thought it was actually a pretty good episode. I think the next couple will be hopefully just as interesting with the other tribes losing uh, before the merge and, and like, somebody's getting idled out basically every episode, which, I mean, is entertaining. Again, not necessarily fair in the game of Survivor for the players, but I don't really care about that because I'm not playing. But not a oh. terrible episode, surprisingly. I think Carolyn's actually not a terrible player, but she's just an idiot. Like, she can't help herself. Like, she'll tell you that, too. Like, she's not the smartest, but she does know what she's doing in the game, which I think it makes her extremely dangerous because everyone, like, uh, underestimates her completely. Is she the but gabler? Actually... Yeah, well, man, don't bring it. Too soon, too soon. But <laughs> I think she is actually a really good player and probably will go to final tribal and might have a chance to win. But, yeah, she's she's definitely a better player than, than gabler. Don't, don't even bring that up. Let's move swiftly on. So I... <laughs> What else have you been into, Cody? Yeah, not too much, really. I mean, uh, still watching Nathan for you. I've made it through season three and uh, the season four beginning. Season four is obviously the last season. The season four beginning of kind of, a, it's like an hour special of them just like catching up with a bunch of the people you've helped. I've really enjoyed that. It's it's just kind of dumb comedy that is kind of right up my alley. Impractical Jokers wise, I feel like it's pretty similar. But past that, Picard, uh, season three stuff going on. The newest episode, not bad. They brought back uh, Jordy LaForge. They brought back an older Data. Uh, Riker got captured. Not a bad episode. A lot of stuff going on there, which I really like. Um, and then past that, obviously, um, this past weekend was uh, pretty much, I mean, not really, but pretty much the conclusion of the NCAA basketball tournament. Uh, we're going to be releasing another pick and roll episode. So if you listen to this, go check out those. But uh, yeah, we're, we're officially in the final four um one of the craziest tournaments of all time so that's that's primarily where my free time has been the past you know few weeks here so again getting back on the movie watching train i gotta get caught up with the last of us still i know i've said that every every episode but uh the, the next coming weeks there should be a lot more to talk about in rex but yeah st- still not a ton all right uh last thing i'll say opening day for baseball this thursday check it out all 30 teams playing on opening day I'll be working. Sox, so. Sox Strohs, baby. 
we're getting revenge on Jose Abreu. <laughs> Go Sox, baby. All right, everybody, thanks for listening, and we'll catch you in the next one. Stay capping. Peace. Please. What you just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. At no point in your rambling, incoherent response were you even close to anything that could be considered a rational thought. Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it.